0: Hello Great Minds. It's Friday and that means it's time for Drinks with Great Minds in History and a special Halloween bonus episode on everyone's favorite spooky history subject, witches. <laughs> Again, we are still in the ever-so-brief DGMH off-season, but that doesn't seem to mean that I'm giving myself any kind of break at all. My own fault, I know. But I wanted to do a little Halloween bonus episode, and don't forget to go check out my From the Well content that I just started releasing on my Patreon page. Just follow the link in the show notes, support the show, and enjoy even more DGMH as I cover all new content related to your favorite great minds from the show, all while chasing each episode with some really shitty lick from my college bartending days. I'll be covering topics from inoculation to war dogs that just get glossed over in the show. Now this one's actually a little longer than a typical From the Well episode, but the content and structure is pretty much the same, and honestly, that's just because I ended up finding the topic so damn interesting. So let's get to it. But first, it's some history for you, a reason to drink for me. It's the history of the great minds that made history come to be. So when I think witches, my mind instantly goes to Buffy, well, Willow, or Sabrina, and maybe the Wizard of Oz slash Wicked. And of course, I instantaneously ask myself, how do you know she's a witch? And sadly, but gladly in a way, I have to say that the Monty Python skit is probably one of the most accurate and telling of all the shows I just mentioned, as witch hysteria in the 15, 16, and 1700s was true lunacy. The beautifully executed scene with the fake nose, duck, and wood captures the ridiculousness of accusations of witchcraft that dominated the Western world from Germany to Anglo-America in the 16th and 17th centuries. Obviously, I can't cover everything there is to cover about witches, hell, that's a show in itself. And Salem Alone is one of the most covered, dare I say overdone, stories in the podcasting world. So as always, I have found myself rambling. And even I am starting to ask, what the hell are we covering today? Well, witches. But which witches will we cover? Let's find out. Witchcraft has plagued the more suspicious minds of Europe since the days of ancient Greece and Rome. Even the Old Testament references stories of beings that remind readers of witches. In ancient Rome, practicing, quote, magics would cost one their life. British historian Ronald Hutton notes, Charlemagne even addressed the issue, saying, quote, "...if anyone deceived by the devil shall believe, as is customary among pagans, that any man or woman is a night witch and eats men shall be executed." Well, first off, anybody that eats people should be fucking executed. That's just fucked up. The medieval church, however, often made references in Canaan law to those women who were, quote, "...perverted by Satan." But it was around 1450 that shit really started to get crazy. My favorite historical period, early modern Europe, was a true breeding ground for witch hysteria. And for about 200 years, the inhabitants of Europe were focused on just about two things. Religious warfare and hunting witches. I mean, these people had witch fever. Things only intensified over the course of the 15th century when Malleus Malficarum, or The Hammer Against the Witches, was published by the Dominican monk Heinrich Kramer in 1486. The book, which heavily advocated for the extermination of witches, was actually banned by the church and condemned by the Inquisition. But the craze really took off when Jesuits took over for Dominicans like Kramer. But let's break this down a bit by looking at three isolated issues in three unique areas. England, Germany, and of course, Salem. Over the course of more than two and a half centuries, nearly 200,000 people were tried for the heresy of witchcraft, with more than 50,000 people being executed. Around 80% of these accusations were made towards women, but that quote, gender balance differed from region to region in Europe. That begs the question, why women? A great mind and great historian, Mary Wisner-Hanks, and certainly a favorite of the show, notes, "...the reasons for the predominance of women are complex. Women were viewed as weaker and so more likely to give in to the devil's charm." They had more contact with areas of life in which bad things seemed to happen unexpectedly, such as preparing food, caring for new mothers, children, and animals. Turning again to Kramer's original work, he aims to answer the question, quote, why such a great number of witches is found in the fragile feminine sex than among men. To which he answers, and get ready for this one, women are more credulous, naturally more impressionable, have slippery tongues. But the natural reason is that she is more carnal than a man. All witchcraft comes from carnal lust, which is in women insatiable. What the actual fuck? Not only does this guy creep me out, but he turns out to be sexist even for the medieval period. Some historians actually translate the title of Kramer's text to the Hammer Against Female Witches, Now, in terms of trials, Mary Weisner Hanks points to the belief that witchcraft sought to undermine the church. Thus, the church responded by branding witchcraft as an ultimate heresy, and witches the enemies of God. Trials over these newer notions of, quote, spiritualized witchcraft started growing in popularity in the mid-1400s, and within a hundred years would begin shaping policy in the German states of the Holy Roman Empire. Not that you expected it, but in Spain and other areas, the Inquisition didn't make a huge habit of executing witches for heresy, just forcing them to denounce Satan and pay penance. Persecution of witches seemed to slow only when Christian denominations were too busy killing each other, save only during the Thirty Years' War, when shit really got nuts. Before we get a little more specific, check out this trailer for an awesome True Crime History podcast. If you like the hysteria of Europe's witchy years or the darker tales of history, then you will love the content on True Crime Historian. True Crime Historian presents Yesterday's News. Tales of the scandals, scoundrels, and scourges of the past told through historic newspaper accounts in the golden age of yellow journalism. Whether it's a love triangle gone awry, a botched robbery, or the deadly shenanigans of a desperate fugitive, True Crime Historian has got the scoop. New episodes every Thursday at www.truecrimehistorian.com or whatever podcast player you love best. Alright, so I wanted to take a quick look at three witchy stories that really capture the widespread nature, influence, and insanity surrounding the issue of witchery in early modern Europe. And this topic is well covered. I get why it's crazy entertaining. I went into this planning to write one little bit on Salem and call it a day, but here we are, it's taking twice as long, but who cares. And I think the best place to start is the British Isles. When people, myself included, think of witch hysteria and witch hunts, we tend to picture in our minds the picturesque small towns like Salem. Rural communities built on superstition raise a lynch mob of angry townsfolk that grab their torch and pitchforks. We picture everyday people reacting to fear, personal hardships, and their own individual crazy. But I doubt many of you picture it all coming from the top. Here I am not talking about church figures, mayors, or community leaders. No, I'm talking about the fucking King of Scotland. James Stuart, King James VI of Scotland, and future King James I of England actually published a book on identifying and understanding witches, demons, and the black magics. In his 1597 demonology, he even goes as far as to discuss werewolves, vampires, and various different types of biblical demons. First published for public consumption in 1599, James wrote his dissertation on witchcraft on the basis of his own personal involvement in witch trials in the early 1590s. His book would be published in England upon James's ascension to the throne in 1603, and it was his argument that witchcraft and witches merit the most severe of punishments. And this guy really believed in it all. The book actually may have served as the primary inspiration for the Wayward Sisters in Shakespeare's Macbeth. During his kingship, James would also write on the harmful nature of smoking tobacco products, and he was right about that one and 400 years ahead of the rest of the world. So it makes one wonder, was he right about witches, too? England was, of course, subjected to similar witch hysteria like other parts of Europe in the 1600s, but I would like to look elsewhere to see the true carnage that witch trials can wreak. The German states were home to countless witch trials and mass executions, but few towns and cities saw the chaos and loss of life that Bamberg, Bavaria did. Bamberg was heavily impacted by the Little Ice Age along with the rest of the HRE, and this caused food shortages in the midst of seemingly endless religious warfare, so the only rational thing to do was blame it all on witches. Which begs the age-old question, how do you know she's a witch? Actually, in the case of Bamberg, it seems to be that a fair amount of men were also targeted more so than other areas for certain. So, you know, go Bamberg. It was under the leadership and direction of Johann George Fuchs, also known as the Hexenbrunner or Witchburner, but I like to call him a Fuchsing a-hole. Operating under the guise of the Catholic Counter-Reformation, he presided over the Bamberg Witch Trials that extended from 1626 to 1631, and was personally responsible for the death of upwards of 600, quote, witches. During the hundreds of documented trials, victims would be brutally tortured to force confession. In the year 1628 alone, there were more than 200 trials. No one was safe. City council members, wealthy officials, and even the city burgermeister or mayor, Johannes Junius, was executed for the heresy of witchcraft. While awaiting his execution, he wrote his daughter, saying, I confessed in order to escape the great anguish and bitter torture, which it was impossible for me longer to bear. He was found guilty when six council members provided testimony against him, all whose testimonies were coerced by similar torture. He notes, they were forced to say it just as I myself was they too were put to death. In Bamberg specifically, the primary target wasn't really witches, but Protestants and power. The trials were only stopped when Swedish General King Gustavus Adolphus occupied the city in the 1630s. Trials would continue after the end of the Thirty Years' War, and by 1680 more than 1,000 witches had been executed in this Bavarian city that even today only has a population of just over 75,000 people. The Bamberg Witch Scare was not an isolated event in the German states but it was by far the most horrific I have found. Of course, I wouldn't really be doing an American podcast episode on witches justice if I didn't touch on Sabrina. No, I'm sorry, I mean Salem. But most of my listeners are American, and even more important, pretty much everyone has heard of the Salem witch trials. I want to start by confessing that one of the worst experiences of my life was sitting through the play of Arthur Miller's The Crucible, a reality that shouldn't have surprised me given my feelings towards the book. But visiting Salem was great once you got past all the tacky tourist stuff. Now it took a little longer for the chic practice of executing witches to travel across the pond. But when it did, it was the stuff of legend. But like all legends, this myth isn't quite as scary or mystifying as one might think. So here's the quick version. From 1692 to 1693, a bunch of crazy, hyper-religious Puritans got it in their heads that their town was infected with witches. But I find it to be one of the dumbest historical stories ever told. I think it gets way too much attention, and honestly, I just hate it so much, so I won't be talking about Putnams and Hubbards, Goods and Osbornes, and even sweet old Tituba. I just hate it that much, and a million other shows cover it, and most of us have already heard the story anyways. One of the figures involved in the trial was New England minister Cotton Mather, who is a bit of a contradiction. He was incredibly open-minded when it came to scientific advancement of the day, and he was a key voice in bringing inoculation to colonial America. But today, he is mostly remembered for the buffoonery that was the Salem Witch Trials. Speaking of buffoonery, the name of some of these New Englanders, Cotton, Dorcas, Increase, I mean, who the hell names their kid Increase? Maybe. A witch. A witch. By the end of the Salem witch trials, more than 200 had been accused of witchcraft, 30 found guilty, and 19 executed, and as always, most of them were women. So Salem has absolutely nothing on Bamberg, but it was the nastiest witch hunt and example of witch hysteria in colonial American history. Now, Giles Corey presents an interesting twist to the story of the Salem Witch Trials, as he is the polar opposite of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. His show would be far less cute, far more creepy, and better titled Giles the 81-Year-Old Sickly Witch. Accused of being a witch, Giles refused to enter a plea of guilty or not guilty, which led the authorities to default to the legal custom of the day and get ready for some butchered French (laughs) Pienforte et deux. This originated in the 13th century, and it was basically pressing someone until they confessed or died. Giles Corey endured and survived the torture for two whole days, did not confess, and died. Well, that's it. From England to Bamberg to Salem, I was far more spellbound by this topic than I ever thought I would be. But I can honestly say that my drink of choice is even better. For the Halloween special, I had to rate my favorite pumpkin beer, Pumpkin Barrel Ale. But I'm going to keep this quick as we return to the Scale of Greatness. In terms of taste, it has a unique bourbon barrel taste that is just so delicious, smooth, and flavorful. Honestly, for a good tasting beer, I suggest any Kentucky bourbon barrel product. But be warned, this shit is strong. Sitting at 10% ABV, it is even more dangerous as it doesn't taste like it. I give it six points for taste. But price, that is another story. I actually have a rule in my house. I only get to buy one pack of this beer per season. Otherwise, I would buy too many, spend too much, and be fucked up all the time. Starting to sound better by the minute. This beer comes in at around $16.99 at Total Wine for a fucking four-pack not even a sixer. It isn't the most expensive beer I've tried and loved, but it is my most expensive pumpkin beer. Two points for price, only because you get what you pay for. And when it's that good, it's that worth it. This stuff flies off the shelves, and I grab the first case of it that I can find each year. I always return to it every fall, I just can't afford to return to it very often. Five points for constant, satisfying returns each year. Coming in at 13 out of 18 points, my favorite pumpkin beer narrowly escapes the scale of great this with five crowns. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you love DGMH and want even more content, then be sure to visit my Patreon page. There, listeners like you can help support the show and get access to even more great content. Be sure to join the DGMH Facebook page at Drinks with Great Minds in History, and follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at DGMH underscore history podcast. Also, please take a moment to leave the show a great, hopefully 5-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. As always, let's close the show with a toast. is, you turned out to be way more interesting than I ever imagined. Everyone knows Salem, but who the hell knew Bamberg even existed? Bambergers, for sure. I wonder which witchy witch story has cast the biggest spell on you. Either way, priests, princes, and kings all bought into the witch craze, and now I kind of have too. But tonight, let's raise a glass to witches, the no-doubt sexually frustrated witch hunters, the crazies that bought into all this insanity, In the fact that as an adult, I never have to read or see The Fucking Crucible ever again. Happy fall, y'all, and happy Halloween. Cheers!